Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the program where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this program is to be a source of inspirational truth that will not only awaken a deeper hunger within you for more of God, but also a source of encouragement when it comes to maintaining a deep passion for the Lord. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering practices of the temple, and it reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame this week. This is Keith Collins, your host, and I am blessed to know that you are listening today. And as always, I pray and trust that what you are about to hear will encourage you, that it will challenge you, and that it will cause you to have a deeper love for Jesus, a deeper hunger for His Spirit, for His Word, and that as a result of listening today, your life will never be the same in Jesus' name. You know, last week I I talked about a very important subject. I, I dealt with the subject of understanding the role of the church And I felt like I needed to come back again this week and do a part two. We might even go again with this subject next week. But with all that's going on in our culture and our society, as well as what's going on around the world, we know that obviously Russia has invaded the Ukraine, and that situation continues to to be tragic and horrific and you know, we're getting reports of people being killed, civilians as well as soldiers on both sides and and you know, our prayer is that God would intervene. Our prayer is that in the midst of this that the church would fulfill her role effectively. So there's a lot going on. We can talk about a lot of other things. I know there's a lot of of talk right now, a lot of concern in the United States of America regarding the price of of living, whether it be gasoline prices or food prices going up, housing. I mean, there's a lot of things taking place regarding inflation and all the things that, that you know, we deal with as, as a culture and as a nation and as a people. However, I think it's important to understand that we are in this world, so therefore, we have to deal with these issues. They're, they're real to us, and, and they affect us. They affect us in, a, in practical ways. They affect our budgets. They affect um, our families. They affect our future, retirement, all those kind of things that, that we all live with because we do live on this earth. However, it's important for us to remember that according to Scripture, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Um, our home, our our, our place of abode is heavenly, it's heaven, and, and even though, of course, we're in mortal bodies and we have finite minds and all those things, there is a day when that will change and we will put off mortality, take on immortality. As a result, we have a great hope, we have a blessed hope. Not only will we, will we see those that have gone before us, that were children of God, that were born again of the Spirit of God, but... We will also 
be united with our Lord forever. We will forever live in His glory, in His presence, in His beauty, in His holiness. So therefore, we, as the Word of God says, we encourage one another with these truths. However, I think it's important for us to understand and for us to embrace how should we respond to current situations? What should be the role of the church right now? I I mentioned recently that God has used people throughout history. Again, I mentioned not too long ago a man by the name of Reese Howes. Reese Howes was from Swansea, Wales. And during World War II, he, he came under a great burden of prayer and intercession. And he, along with others, really prayed strategically, prophetically. And God used their prayer to really um, to, to really manifest his purposes within the, the setting of World War II. So as we're looking at war right now in Eastern Europe, as we're looking at all the challenges politically, socially, racially, financially, um, I mean, there are many, many issues that, that we could talk about here that I believe deserve the attention of the church. In other words, I don't think we should just kind of be sitting on the sideline watching things, but I believe we should be very active in culture, we should be very active in our society. We should be very active in in multiple arenas and and in multiple settings. Why? Because we know the Lord. We have a walk with God. We we should be people of prayer. We know the word of the Lord. We can look at history, whether it be the the prophets of the Old Testament, especially the prophets to Israel. These these men who became one with the heart of the living God, and they would literally take the word of the Lord into the council of, of kings and governmental officials, and they would declare the word of the Lord. I'm reminded right now of the life of, of Joseph and even Daniel, how that God God used them to to impact culture and government and society in such such amazing ways and and I believe that we need to be those people again we don't need to just be attending a church service once or twice a week and and that's good to do and and I believe that that we should assemble together corporately in homes wherever you do it but but I believe it's important for us to to come together as the bride of Christ to worship the Lord to be taught to be instructed to have hands laid upon us to impart spiritual gifts as Paul talked about however I don't believe that's the only thing that we do I believe that we should be very much involved in the course of history and that, that you and I, because we know the Lord, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling out of strongholds according to the word of God. Therefore, as people of prayer, as people of praise, as people of fellowship and community, we have authority in the spirit realm to impact history. And so, um, you know, without reservation, I believe that we should proclaim the word of the Lord and that we should be the ones that are um, setting the pace, so to speak. We shouldn't be lagging behind, wonder if God, wondering if God's going to move. And listen, I pray for revival in the church. I pray for awakening in my nation, America, as well as other nations all the time. However, I don't have to wait for the rest of the people of God to wake up for me to hear from God and for me to fulfill the call of God, the role of the Lord Jesus Christ upon my life. So, so I think it's important for us us to know our role in history, to know our role in current history. How are we to respond to what's taking place, to what's going on? Last week, I 
I, I used a word, and I want to use it again because I think it's a great word. Actually, I've got a dear friend named Mike Robinson, and, and for years they have done a, an annual gathering conference, whatever you want to call it, where multiple people come together. A lot of young adults, um, even teenagers, but, but really all age groups, and they come together um, in the western Maryland area. Now they've moved it to, to West Virginia area, but, but for years the conference was called um, Fire in the Mountains. However, a few years ago they felt led to change the name to firebrand and i love that name and let me just give you the the meaning of this word again this week a firebrand is a piece of burning wood it's also one that creates unrest or strife as in aggressively promoting a cause another explanation or another um definition is an agitator <laughs> so when I read the definition, and really there, there's multiple definitions of this word, but, but the thing that really stands out to me is that God has called us to agitate society, that we are the ones that are to dictate the narrative, that as people, that are, as people full of the fire of God, baptized in the Holy Spirit, full of the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit, then my friend, we are to be the ones that, again, set the pace. We are to be the ones that, that hear from God, and as a result, we enact His will and His purposes on the earth. So that's our role. That's our calling. That's who we are as the people of God. I'm reminded of a quote that John Wesley once uh, made. And listen to what John Wesley said about the Methodists. As, as you know, John Wesley uh, was a great, great man of God. I believe he was truly an apostle that um, lived back in the 1700s and God used him powerfully. He actually even spent a little time in America in the Savannah, Georgia area. But, but Wesley had a major impact in Britain, in England, um, as well as other parts of the world. And really, the Methodist church literally circled the globe almost. I mean, there, there's so many Methodist churches. Matter of fact, oftentimes when I'm preaching and in certain areas around the country, whether it be in Pennsylvania, Virginia, West Virginia, um, Ohio, you know, I can be out in the middle of nowhere and I'll always find usually a little country Methodist church. And really what that speaks of is the fact that many years ago there was a fire burning among the Methodists to where really at one time they were probably if not the most, one of the most powerful evangelistic tools on the earth that God was using. And the fire of God would, would, would manifest in their gatherings. The power of God was present in their meetings. Matter of fact, I've got an old journal that a friend gave me years ago, and it literally um, gives description to some of the meetings that were happening in America back in the, I believe it was the early or maybe 1830s or something like that, but many years ago in America, and it, and it would talk about the power of God entering their meetings and, and people falling to the floor in conviction as the word of God was preached. So the Methodist Church was a powerful movement at one time, and and I'm sure there are still people within that movement that, that love the Lord and that have a passion for the Lord, so forth and so on. However, we do know that um, a part of the movement has really become more liberal theologically, and they've accepted and, and even promoted things that are really anti-biblical, trying to change Scripture and change the meaning of what the Word of God says. So as a result, we've seen the Methodist church change, and, and it's not the church that John Wesley birthed or that even Francis Asbury here in America was, you know, was a part of at the time 
that he was living on the earth. But listen to what John Wesley said. Wesley said, My fear is not that our great movement known as the Methodist will eventually cease to exist or one day die from the earth. He said, My fear is that our people will become content to live without the fire, the power, the excitement, the supernatural element that makes us great. Again, it wasn't Wesley's fear that the Methodist movement would eventually be gone, but his fear was that the people would become just religious. They would just learn to go through the motions of of learned behavior patterns, and Jesus just becomes a name to them, but he's not their Lord. And and he, he feared that they would lose, as he said, the fire. They'd become content to live without the fire or the power, the the excitement, the, the supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And listen, I don't want to just talk about the Methodists because, again, I know there's some good Methodists. But, but understand me, many, many denominations um, at one time burned with the fire of God. They were planted in or they were birthed in fire and they were planted in soil of expectancy and prayer and intercession and hope. And, and the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And over the years, what's happened is they've become just uh, a form or a shadow of what they used to be. And so, so my prayer is always, God, revive your church. Revive the church. Listen, revivals for the church, awakening can happen in a nation. But first of all, the church has to come alive. And again, I'm talking about what is our role on the earth right now? How can we fulfill our role if all we have is dead religion and, and formality and we have learned behavior patterns that, that make us feel like we are fulfilling the purposes of God when, in fact, oftentimes, as Paul said, we have a form of godliness, but we have denied the power, the power of the gospel, the power of the blood of Jesus, the power of the name of Jesus, the, the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fire of God. Friend, when we lose that, then we lose. Again, we just become a, a social club where, where Jesus, as I've said many times, is our mascot, but, but he's not actively engaging his people, and we are not burning with his fire and with his passion to see a nation change, to see a church awaken. Listen, Psalm 104.4, I love this. The psalmist wrote, he said, he makes, God makes, he makes his angels, spirits, his ministers, a flame of fire. Hebrews 12, 29, very famous scripture. And, you know, obviously um, kind of a, a restatement of what Deuteronomy says, but it says our God is a consuming fire in Hebrews 12, 29. In other words, everything that comes in the presence of the Lord, the fire of God is consumed. And whenever we are hungry for that fire, whenever we are desirous of his spirit to be present in our gatherings, in our prayer life, in our evangelism, in our disciple making, then then God comes in and, and he moves and, and he begins to manifest and to reveal his nature through power and through demonstration. But whenever we are content to live without the fire, and all we want is a little smoke to make us feel spiritual, then, friend, we lose our ability to impact society. We, we become 
a, a form. We become a hollow giant. We might look like we're doing something. And as I look at so much of the church world, and again, as I, I've said before, maybe even a little bit last week, we've become so good at doing church. We've become so excellent, so professional, so production oriented we've got the right sound we've got the right instruments we've got the right digital board to to eq the sound we've got the right lights we've got the smoke machines man we've got everything we we are so professional we are so production um oriented we have rehearsed and we've practiced and we've got this thing down to the second we've got everything right but we don't have god oftentimes We've got ingenuity. We've got human ability. We've got human talent. God can use talent. God can use ability. But listen, friend, you can have all that and not have God. You can have that in a rock and roll concert. You can have that in a bar where people are gifted and talented to play music, but that doesn't mean that God is there. You can even use the name of the Lord. You can even sing about Jesus. But listen, just singing about Him is not enough. If we don't have His fire, if we are not full of His Spirit, if we are not walking with Him, if we are not fulfilling our role as people of prayer, holiness, intercession, people that, that that burn with a heart for a lost and a dying world, then what are we doing in the earth? If we don't have lives reflecting what it means, as I said last week, to be crucified with Christ, as Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he said, I'm not even living anymore. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. He said, I, I, I've come to the place that now it's Christ that lives or fulfill fulfills his will through my yielded vessel. Paul talks about how that we should have our vessels, our bodies under control. Why? Because we're full of the Spirit of God. We live out the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, temperance. All these things become our native air. And as a result, we are in tune with the Holy Spirit in the generation that we live in. What does that mean? We're not taken by surprise. We're not wondering if God can do something or will God do something. I'm in the midst of war. I believe the church can have a blueprint, an apostolic blueprint that we fulfill the prophetic purposes of God even in the midst of bombs falling. That that, that we are not just wondering is God here or can God do something? No, friend, there's a place, I believe, that we are to walk in. There's a role that we are to fulfill. And in that place, we bring the word of God to bear in our generation. We're not just stumbling in the dark. We're not just throwing something against the wall and hoping it'll stick. We're not just wondering, can God do it again? No, we we dictate the narrative, not because of us, but because of God in us. Because again, we're, we're not living in ourselves, we're not living in our flesh, we're not trying to build our own kingdoms, our own ministries, our own names, but friend, we have died to self to live in the kingdom of God first, you've got to die, and we have come alive to the eternal purposes of Jesus Christ, and as a result, we are walking by faith, not by flesh we're walking in the spirit not in our human abilities and 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 there's something real paul told timothy to lay hold of eternal life we have laid hold of eternal life this is not a static thing but friend this is an active thing we have engaged god and as a result we've become his ambassadors we're his liaison to a world of darkness and death and destruction and perversion and we bring light we bring hope 
We bring truth without compromise, even though we're fueled with compassion and love and mercy and long-suffering, all those things. At the same time, we refuse to bow our knees to demons. We refuse to bow our knees to compromise. We refuse to bow our knees to false liberal theology. There is something on the inside of us that's been awakened. What is it? It's the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And we would rather suffer and die in the flesh and shed our blood than compromise the cause of Christ in the generation that God has called us to walk in and to live in. Friend, this is our role. This is why we're here. The old saying, to rescue the perishing, to care for the dying. Friend, that's who we are. I, I preached at a church down near Tallahassee, Florida last or this past Sunday, two days ago. I'm recording this on a Tuesday. And um, I, I quoted a quote from C.T. Studd. Some of you know, might know who he is, but C.T. Studd was, um, was an athlete. He was a cricketer. In Britain, famous cricketer came from from wealth and notoriety, and he, he literally gave up everything in order to to take the gospel to a dangerous place, to a place of, of uncertainty. But but C.T. Studd said, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. I don't have the quote in front of me, but he said, "Some want to live within the sound of a chapel bell." He said, "I want to set up shop, or I want to do what God's called me to do within a yard of hell." C.T. Studd was, was captured by the call of God. He was consumed with his role to fulfill the purposes of Jesus Christ in his life while he had breath in his body. He wasn't just one, you know, trying church to see if he liked it. You know, some people try Jesus like they try on shoes. I was with my wife yesterday and I need some new shoes for the summer and I was trying on a few pair of shoes just to see what fit good and what felt good. But that's not Jesus. We don't try him on to see if he fits good or to see if it's going to um, be something I can accept. No, friend, we, we die to ourselves and we come alive into him we come alive unto him it's not about what i like or what i don't like it's not about um what i think or what i don't think it's about what he has already declared his word is truth the bible says in the world passeth away and the lust thereof but he that does the will of god abides forever our role is to do the will of god even when it's uncomfortable even when it's not popular even when we're mocked and criticized because of it friend listen when you really come alive to Jesus, when you really begin to understand what it means to fulfill the role of Jesus Christ in the midst of a generation, to fulfill the purposes of God in the midst of culture and society, when that becomes real to you, when that becomes alive to you, you don't question, oh God, can I really do this? No, friend, you've died to yourself. It doesn't mean you don't have human emotions or human feelings. I'm not saying that. However, you learn to live by the Spirit. You realize that your spirit man, that part of you that has been born again and come alive to the Spirit of Christ, that has authority over your soul nature, your personality, has authority over your body. It it, it rules your eye. It rules your ear. It, it rules everything about you, and you begin to live as unto the Lord. Why? Because you become a person on mission. Listen, we must be a missional people. What does that mean? Paul said it this way. You're bought with a price. What is that price? The blood of Jesus Christ has purchased you. You're not your own, my friend. You're not your own. Now, let me say this. In the midst of dying to self, 
and coming alive to Jesus Christ in the midst of being firmly fastened to the cross, in the midst of what Jesus said there, where he said that if you don't, if you come after me, you got to pick up your own cross. All these things can sound daunting when you're not dead to self. Friend, when you're dead to self and you've been born again of the Spirit of God, you realize that this is the greatest joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's not drudgery. It's not, oh, God, i gotta, I got to give up the world. No, friend, the world loses its allure. It loses its fascination. It loses its joy. You Listen, if you are truly born again, I want you to hear me. You cannot live like the rest of the world lives. If you can and enjoy it, then I would probably say, matter of fact, I would say, friend, you have not experienced Jesus. You have not been born again. The Bible says, Paul said, when you're born again, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You become a new creation. The old King James says, a new creature, a new creation in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean you're never tempted. It doesn't mean you don't go through trials and struggles. I understand all that, but friend, there is something that happens in the life of a person that has been born again. There are things that are awakened through being born again. There are things that come alive by your spirit to where only the things of Jesus Christ really hold your fascination and you begin to deal with things like conviction. When you sin, you're convicted and you humble yourself. You repent. Listen, we all need disciples. I understand this is kind of really another subject, but, but it goes in hand with what I'm talking about. To fulfill the role of God as the church in the earth, as a child of God in the earth, then friend, we've got to realize that we're not our own. Jesus owns us. And again, when that becomes real, I'm telling you, your life is really full of joy and fulfillment and happiness. You're never, ever, ever the same again. Friend, God's called you to be a firebrand. God's called you to divinely disturb your generation. Maybe you're a young person and you're hearing this today. Friend, be who God's called you to be at your school. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Maybe you're in a work environment and you're you find yourself compromising and just kind of going along with even maybe things that aren't even um appealing as far as the word of god in other words maybe you go along with dirty jokes or what whatever it could be something like that or are you never raise your voice and speak to listen friend be filled with the holy spirit and be bold in your witness maybe you're ashamed of the gospel because maybe your family intimidates you friend there's there's authority that you can walk in fueled with love and compassion I understand that but don't let don't let the gospel be hidden under a bushel. The Bible says you're a city set on a hillside. That's your calling. That's your mission. That is your mandate. I want to pray for you today. Father, we thank you that you've called us to be your people. You've called us out of darkness into marvelous light. You've called us, Lord, to fulfill the call of God in our generation. Lord, we do not want to be lacking. We don't want to be in a position to where one day we stand before you and we have to hang our head in shame because we were not faithful to who you called us to be. Jesus, we give you our lives today, Lord. I ask, Lord, for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire upon those that are hearing this today. Fill us with your Spirit so that we would fulfill and do the works of Jesus on the earth. Father, Make yourself known to us. If there's those listening today that do not know you, may this be a day of salvation. May this be a day that they would call upon you, that they would 
acknowledge that they are sinners, that they would confess their sins and ask you to save them. They would acknowledge that they can't do it themselves and that they need a Savior, they need a Lord. And Lord Jesus, be their King, be their Master, be the lover of their soul, be the Lord of their lives. Father, we thank you that that you have a role for us in this generation. Even though there's so much calamity and tragedy and pain and horror around the world, that, Lord, we don't live in fear, we don't live in regret, we don't live in trepidation, but, Lord, we live by faith. And, Lord, we have the authority of the Word of God through a walk with you, through intimacy with Christ. And as a result, Lord, we can make a difference. We pray now, make yourself known to every listener today wherever they're at around the world. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame today. I want to come back next week and and finish this. Um, I still have some things I want to share on what it means to really be the people of God, what it means to fulfill the call of God in our generation. But but I just want to encourage you, friend, know that that the Lord loves you, that that He wants the best for you, That, that you're the head and not the tail. The Word of God says that, that you are not one that is without. You're not one that's just having to struggle to get through. God is with you. When that becomes real to you, then everything in your life begins to change. Hey, to learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or you can go to Impact-GF. Dot org and you'll find information there. You can also correspond with us through either of those websites. Know that we love you. We're honored to be with you every week. And we pray that you would not just maintain the flame of God in your life, but it would grow hotter and brighter in each and every day. We love you. God bless. And we'll see you next week in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins today. I trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened. And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.